podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No breaks. No breaks. No fear. No fear. The official British Speedway podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year as British Speedway comes back on your screens as the Premiership League season gets underway on Monday. Joining me in this episode to look ahead to what's going to be coming up on your TV, to the chances of all of the Premiership League teams, we're going to be speaking with Dave Rowe from Eurosport. And he's going to be staying with us throughout the whole episode to look back on the action from the past week and look ahead to what's in store over the next seven days. In the show today, we're going to hear from Chris Van Stratton. We're going to hear from Richie Worrell, Simon Stead, Stuart Dixon of the Leicester Lions and Jamie Swales of the Red Car Bears, uh, to name just a few. That's all on the way in this week's episode of No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome to the official British Speedway podcast, No Breaks, No Fear. I'm Ian Brannan. And first of all, I just want to start by passing on my thanks to everybody who took the time to get in touch to say how much they appreciated the podcast last week. It was a tribute to Nigel Pearson. It was an incredibly difficult episode to put together, not just for me, but for everybody who paid tribute and and gave their memories of, of Nigel. And hopefully in listening to it, you learnt a bit more about the background to Nigel and a bit more about the the man he was away from the microphone as well as the man you knew of course coming out of your your tv sets or your radios or or wherever you you'd listen to him in in the past but um i know many people found it uh, both interesting and uh, and also a source of comfort as well and reassurance to to hear the the various stories that were that were passed on and i think Nigel would have been delighted to to know that um, that particular episode is the biggest one we've ever done and it got to number three in the charts. Um, I think people right, from right across sport have, have, have listened to it, but obviously I don't think in the circumstances uh, we, we wanted this to be, to be the case, but thank you to everybody who took the time to listen. On with the show, as Nigel would say, and this week we are previewing the upcoming action on Eurosport as the Premiership season gets underway. The TV meetings are coming up and we're going to find out more about what the TV viewing is going to have in store. Plus, as well as that, we're going to find out more about the the teams as well. Um, With the help of Dave Rowe, who is part of Eurosports team this year once again, and he'll be on your TVs bringing you insight from uh, each of those matches that are going to be happening on, uh, on a Monday night on Eurosport. And Dave, like many of us you've been finding this week uh, a great many things that that Nigel did or or looked after that actually nobody realized that that he was doing and it's been a fairly busy week for you and fairly mixed emotions yeah hi in, in more ways than one that's, that's certainly the case it's been an emotional time for us all obviously and that that will continue to be the case I can only echo what you said there about the uh, the episode from last week was it was a great listen it was also a tough listen and it was Tough, I'm sure, for you to to put together. Um, and I'd also point people in the direction of this week's um, this week's Speedway Star has a an absolutely stunning front cover design and more tributes to Nigel inside. Um, it's a t- tough for everyone. Um, it's a cliche to say the show goes on, we keep it going, and of course we do. But you're right, we're we're already finding plenty of things that we know he's involved in, and, and we just want to carry on in his memory, obviously. But um, yeah, it's been tough for us all. Yeah, and you can show that uh, that his memory will definitely live on, certainly in British Speedway and how things operate. Um, 
obviously we've paid tribute to a, to a number of people who have uh, left us over the past year in the world of Speedway and, and each time when we've paid tribute to them Nigel's always said afterwards right we've we've done the tribute now we've paid our respects let's move on and and I think that's what Nigel wants us to do and, and, and talk about the action that, that's coming up because it's a big week in Speedway. We're less than a week away from the first TV meeting on Eurosport. It's all going to start at Monmore on Monday night. Wolves versus Kings Lynn is the fixture. It's happening on Bank Holiday Monday as well, May Day Bank Holiday. So you've got all day to get yourself ready for it and uh, look forward to some action on TV. Um, Dave, you're going to be part of the coverage on Eurosport. I just want you to explain, first of all, how it's all going to work because people are maybe getting a bit confused. We've got Discovery Plus, we've got Eurosport 2, a lot of people wondering what channel's all the speedway on. Well, really, Eurosport 2 is is what you need and then Discovery Plus is going to offer you a a bit more of an advanced service, isn't it? Just explain how it's all going to work this year. Yeah, the main main difference is that whilst all the meetings are still on Eurosport 2, so you'll still see the deal is still in place, it's 18... 18 domestic meetings in the season, all on Eurosport 2. That includes all the playoffs and the British final. The difference is that if you have the, the app, um, you can have the app running alongside your TV coverage or, or whatever. If you watch it on the app, you will not get the commercial breaks. The commercial breaks take place in the TV show, um, probably, I think, around six or seven of them um, during the, the evening. Probably amounts to maybe 25 minutes, half an hour in a two-and-a-half-hour show. On the app, what you will get is some different content, Speedway content, to fill those gaps. Um, Now, that will uh, be... That's all sorts of things that are going to be involved. Some of it will be additional coverage of the other meeting. When there are two meetings in one night, people will be aware I've been involved in that in in, in last year. There'll be more extended coverage of the meetings with with the footage coming in from the other meeting elsewhere. That will be used during those ad breaks on the TV. There'll also be some more technical stuff. Um, Eurosport are looking at um, a touchscreen system like you see in, in football analysis, etc., etc., to get more into the, the depths of, of what's actually going on, what decisions are being taken on track, who's doing what. That's what they're interested in. The, um, the helmet cam came in during the grand final last year. Um, I thought it was the best helmet cam we've had. It's been tried before three or four times. I thought the footage that came out of that in the grand final last year was absolutely excellent. That is in as well. So there's all sorts of different bits and pieces via that, especially via that app, that if you are watching on that, on the app, you will see more content to fill those breaks. You'll get basically a continuous two and a half hour show with no ad breaks. If you carry on on the TV, then it's exactly as it was before. You'll still see all the races. You will also get the ad breaks in between. And especially when it comes to the Grand Prix coverage as well, you're going to get extra stats, aren't you, on on Discovery Plus, which I think is going to come into to British Speedway. I don't, I'm not sure if it's the same level or not, but um, certainly with the GP coverage, they're going all out. You're going to have reaction times, fastest laps, who's travelling the shortest distance, and if you're a statistician, you're going to have a wonderful time. Yeah, I like uh, I like things like reaction times, particularly from from the start. Um, I liked it when in the Grand Prix it became clear that you gave. Um, basically a a lap time or a race time I should say uh, that sorts out close finishes that's a really good thing as you say lots of extra things coming in that we'll doubtless we'll get used to as the uh, as the weeks go by and and the Grand Prix is a a bit of a voyage of unknown in terms of in terms of all the, the, the technical side of it different things happening around the same basic format but I mean the the concept of continuous coverage is one that I had a bit of experience of last year with the European Championship and the under-21s as was because 
that was it. There was no break. You simply talked all the way through. And I guess that will be the case to an extent this year with all the other extra bits put in. So there's a feeling in the industry that eventually TV viewing will, will switch into this this system of, of watching online, watching on apps and so on. And this is this heading in that direction. Um, but I think the key is retaining the TV viewing for those who, who want to do it that way. And that's what they will do. And yeah, all sorts of new stuff coming in. It's going to be an interesting weekend. On to the action then. Monday night, as I say, at Monmore, Wolves versus Kings Lynn, the first match to be televised. And... We'll talk about Wolves in a moment, but first of all to Kings Lynn because they've had a cracking start to the season this year. The first team to be confirmed in the final of the Premiership League Cup competition and um, quite a contrast to last year when it was full of promise and it all sort of fell apart at the seams a bit. But this year, they're carrying on through. They've got to a cup final. They seem to have good team spirit and, you know, are they the outsiders we should be looking at this year? I think Kings Lynn are one of the... Probably the big story of the season so far. I think the, the two clubs that have been the most successful so far in the League Cup have been Kings Lynn and Sheffield. I think we all felt the Sheffield team looked excellent on paper. So the fact that they've won three out of three was uh, was impressive, but not the biggest surprise. But I think Kings Lynn have been the uh, the big uh, the big plus, certainly as far as they're concerned, in, in terms of doing a, a major rebuild, which they had to do. And they've been really, really impressive. Um the, the big signing has without doubt been Josh Pickering. He's hit the ground running. He's had some spectacular rides so far in all three meetings. And in many ways, they've followed the, the Peterborough format of last season in having the strong reserve in, in, in Richie Worrell, in their case, um, who's also started the season very well in, in both leagues. And they have the knowledge that should he score well and move up, then it'll be someone like, for example, Thomas Jorgensen, who will move down. It worked for Peterborough last year. Um, Kings Lynn as things stand, have the number one in, in Niels Chris Neverson. Um, obviously, we are awaiting official confirmation as to what's going on there on a long-term basis, but the signs there are really encouraging, and with the fact that they've beaten Peterborough home and away, and they beat Ipswich heavily last night, albeit a depleted Ipswich side, I'm sure they will go to Wolverhampton next Monday feeling they've got a real chance of getting something there. The slight elephant in the room a little bit is the, the, the Peter Kilderman, Niels Christian Everson situation. Niels Christian Everson is currently in the team, but he's due to depart. Peter Kilderman originally named in that lineup, and no real confirmation so far of what's going to happen. Is, is Niels going to stay on? Is Peter Kilderman actually going to take his place or not? But that's a, a big one, isn't it? Your number one rider in the team and uh, that really needs sorting out doesn't it well Kilderman has has you're obviously right has been riding on the continent he's also been involved in I think at least two crashes since he came back there's one in Denmark um, with Hans Andersen there was another one last weekend I think there are there are concerns genuinely over over what his fitness situation is um, I wasn't at Kings Lynn on Monday night but I'm told that in the uh, in the aftermatch uh, press conference to do in the bar and so on, Niels Christian was sort of dropping hints and so on about the fact that this this situation could well be extended. He's clearly enjoyed his, his first couple of weeks back back with Kings then, and I'm sure that the club would be delighted to do that. So encouraging signs for them. And when you bear in mind that Richard Lawson, who was, was so good for them last year and he's riding well in the Championship, has had a couple of home meetings where he's not scored massive points. He's certainly been involved... Um, in, the, in the team effort, um, they look good. And if they can get that situation sorted with, with Everson or whoever, then, yeah, Kings Lynn definitely have the potential. There's a very a real... It was quite clear to see when I watched them at um, Peterborough last Monday, the, the togetherness is there. Um, there's no doubt that Alex Brady has done a, a really good job there. It's a completely fresh face, fresh voice 
on the situation at King's Lynn. Uh, a younger man who's obviously the same age as some of the riders. They seem to have formed this real good bond, this good spirit together. Josh Pickering speaks exceptionally well as captain. He also rides exceptionally well. Um, so they're not going to make any outlandish predictions just yet. As you say, they were talking a good game last year under a different uh, different group of people in charge, different riders. Um, but Kings Lynn look really good so far. As for Wolves, they were at the top of the league table for so long last year. It looked like they had it all sewn up that they were going to get straight through to the final and it would be all sort of uh, a bit academic really that it was it was all nailed on for Wolves and and then Peterborough came along Dad's army did the business and threw a spanner in the works this year obviously they've got quite a strong side still not many changes to the lineup just a couple of additions to the Wolves squad so they're all a team that have been together for a little while now and Peter Adams hoping to go one better surely this year yeah, obviously they have to uh, to get there first, which, uh, as you say, they they always tend to be there or thereabouts at Wolverhampton. And the, the last two seasons, that's 2021 and 2019, they've made the playoffs comfortably, and then on the night of their home semi-final, the heavens have opened literally in the hour before the start. 19 was against Swindon, uh, last year was against Peterborough. It's destroyed the home advantage they have, and as a result, they lost both home matches and pretty much went out at that stage. They'll be desperate for that not to happen again. Um, as you say, a couple of um, couple of changes. Steve Worrell, I think, is a pretty astute sign. They, they knew they had to replace uh, Rory Schlein. Obviously, he was leaving anyway. What's interesting is that after the first week, when they lost at home to, to Sheffield... They immediately made a riding order switch. They moved Steve Worrell to number two to partner Sam Masters. Real strong opening pairing. And they basically put Nick Morris at five, whereas he'd been previously in the middle order with, with Ryan Douglas. Now, we know Nick Morris can cope with that because he was part of a really successful Swindon team back in around 17. He was an out-and-out number one around that time. He was a, a spearhead with, with Jason Doyle. And then had a couple of years where... It didn't quite go right. So there's more responsibility on Nick Morris coming in at five, but a position that, that he can he can certainly handle. And that opening of Masters and Worrell for Wolves, I think could get them off to big starts in quite a few meetings. So yeah, they, they will definitely feel they should be there. They need to uh, the reserves, Drew Kemp and, and Leon Flint need to give them time to to bed in themselves. Leon had had half a season with them last year as well. Um very strong top five to track round Monmore Green. Sheffield did it, of course, in the League Cup, but you would still suspect that Wolves won't drop that many points at home this year. And that change to the lineup also gives them a strong Heat 13 pairing as well, doesn't it? With uh, Nick Morris and Sam Masters together for that one, and then Nick, um, Sam Masters and Steve Worrell together for Heat One. You know, so they've, they've got strength throughout the uh, throughout the race card, really. With that, like I say, pe- people tend to forget that Nick Morris had an average of over eight and a half with Swindon uh, four or five years ago. He's a class act, and Sam Masters is still getting better. Uh, he's one of the top riders in the obviously in the Championship and the Premiership. He's an out and out number one with with Wolverhampton. And they could do so. There's there's some good top ends in this league this year. Don't uh, don't undersell that. But um, there'll be some good battles in heats thirteen and fifteen. But yeah, you'd like to think you you would think that Masters and Morris and Ryan Douglas flying this season as well so far. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a strong team at Wolves. It is a strong lineup for Wolves, but as we're mentioning, strong lineup for Kings Lynn as well, and a lot of experience of the Monmore circuits among their number as well this year. Of course, the two face each other on Monday. We can hear now from Chris Van Stratton, the Wolves promoter, who's been looking ahead to that fixture and particularly the strength that Kings Lynn are offering this year. He's been chatting to Ryan Guest. Yeah, a lot of riders in that team with experience of of the Monmore Green circuit haven't ridden for us at one time. 
And um, I think Lawson showed his capabilities when he guested for Birmingham in our opening fixture. And um, you had all the other riders in there, as you say, uh, the Waddle twin at reserve, probably the strongest reserve in the whole um, Premiership. So it's going to be quite a tussle. And Niels Christian Everson as well, uh, at number one, uh, the, the, the fastest man around this track as well. Yep, track record holder, which is, you know, he's held for some considerable time and he's always a quality performer here. So there, there doesn't appear to be um, a weak link. I mean, their they're rising star, he's one of the most uh, established rising stars. He's been turning in some big scores recently. So there's not a weak link in that team. So we've all got to be firing each each one of the Wolverhampton team has, got to, has got to be on top form. Yeah, and I know the boys were disappointed with that opening night defeat against Sheffield, but they, they certainly seemed a, a lot happier after those two bank holiday wins against Bellevue. Yeah, I think the change in the team helped. You know, it, it was kind of the, you know, the early season meetings just to see how the team worked out because there's no, although there's a number one in the average, there's no outstanding number one in, in terms of... It. We've, a top, we've got a top five where... Either one of them could top score and it wouldn't be a surprise. So when you've got the top five like that, you have to make sure you've got them right in with the right partners. And I believe it worked better against Bellevue. And I think we've, we've hit the right format now. Yeah, um, and like you say, with it being the first league meeting, with the, the, the proud record you normally have here at Monmouth Green, important to get off to a winning start in that first league one. It is, it is. Um, you know, we don't like losing at the best of times, but I think to lose the first league match would be a, a bitter pill to swallow. Well, Chris Van Stratton there, the Wolves promoter, speaking to Ryan Guest. Looking ahead to that first televised fixture from British Speedway's Premiership, Monday night, Wolves versus Kingslin. You can watch it for yourself on Eurosport and Discovery+. Plus. Now, Dave Rowe, tell us about the actual show, because um, tape's up at 8 o'clock, but you're on air from 7.30, and that period between 7.30 and 8 is, is a bit of a preview show, isn't it, to, to, the, to the season coming up? Basically, uh, of course, as we know, there was um, a media day at Bellevue uh, a couple of weeks ago now, um, which, you know, terribly sadly turned out to be the, the last event that Nigel hosted. Nigel hosted the uh, the media do. Um, we did interviews. Uh, it was quite funny, funny actually, because we there were 18 guests there, if you like. There were six, 16 managers, six captains and six rising stars, one for each team at Bellevue. And over the course of about an hour... Um, I interviewed them all for TV, uh, just literally one off the, one off the other. And Nigel came up to me afterwards and said, "You've never worked that hard, have you?" But the idea is um, that basically there'll, there'll be clips of those interviews shown during the first hour on Monday. There was going to be some track action at Bellevue. Unfortunately, it rained, so they didn't, they didn't get on track. But yeah, you'll be seeing plenty of preview material in the hour before start time uh, on Monday, and then yeah, racing at Sunday at eight. Wolves versus Kingsland, then the season opener on Eurosport 2 and Discovery Plus. 7.30 the show starts, tapes up at 8 o'clock. However, before that though, there is another fixture. The very first fixture in British Speedway's Premiership gets underway at lunchtime. 12 o'clock start at the National Speedway Stadium for the Bellevue Aces versus the Peterborough Panthers in a rerun of British Speedway's Premiership Grand Final last season. Of course, it was Peterborough who took the spoils that time, Dad's Army winning the league championship, and what a way to start. Yeah, and what a meeting that was, or what a grand final that was. Both legs were, were 
I think one of the best grand finals we've had, uh, certainly in terms of, of racing. And actually, um, all three of Peterborough's trips to Bellevue last year were really, really exciting. Um, lots of drama. Uh, there was a draw on a bank holiday. There was a narrow Peterborough win. And there was that grand final. Um, so I'm sure more of the same. Peterborough, yep, you mentioned Dad's Army back again. Uh, obviously, Bjarne Pedersen has retired. The addition to the side, Benjamin Basso, who you, you can't exactly put as a member of Dad's Army at the age of 20, but how good has he been so far for Peterborough in his two meetings? He's been truly spectacular, so that's exciting. Um, uh, and obviously, Peterborough will also hope that Michael Palmtoft is fit, got um, got concussed against Kings Lynn last Monday. I believe he's due back for Plymouth this Friday at Scunthorpe. Um, so as long as all goes well there, he'll be in for a full Peterborough side. And Bellevue have had... Tough time in the, in the League Cup so far, no question. But we know what they're intending to do. And uh, I think that may, might make it pretty tasty on Monday. Yeah, and that rider in question at Bellevue that, that Dave's alluding to there, of course, if you haven't heard already, Mate Zagar. Uh, on his way to Bellevue, although at the time of recording this, um, the official rubber stamp has, has yet to be approved in terms of the immigration paperwork, you know, all the, the admin, if you like, um, away from Speedway. Um, so we're waiting for the official approval of all that. Um, assuming it all goes through, though, we will have Mate Zegar on this podcast next week. We'll bring you an interview with him uh, on next week's show. But assuming it all goes to plan, Mate Zegar... Another Grand Prix rider in Bellevue's ranks. We know what he can do. He's ridden there before, and, and surely that's got to be a huge boost to um, Bellevue's title aspirations this year. As you mentioned, it's been a long time, but what a signing for Bellevue. It's a game-changer for Bellevue, no question about that. Um, you always know, I mean, I mean Jay Cameron, they knew it was a short-term signing because they knew... Uh, they well, they they went uh, they went all out to try and get Dan Bewley. It didn't work. We we know the situation there. Um, so they actually started the season three or four points under the points limit, and 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 then the results that followed probably didn't surprise them because that's what tends to happen. You can you can be a point under the points limit and you'll you'll be competitive and you'll still win things when you're that far underneath. Really, regardless of what the rider coming in does, you're going to be struggling to now be deploying a team with Max Frick, Brady Kurtz, Zagar pending confirmation and Charles Wright as a top four, plus the way Tom Brennan's been going as the rising star, that looks very, very good. And Bellevue, uh, of course, have come close numerous times uh, for several years. Uh, they don't need reminding that it's 1993 since the last time they won the top league title. They must feel that gives them a chance. Zagar rode well, very well in the Craven Memorial at Bellevue um, a month or so ago. Loves the track there, rides it really well, and that is certainly going to make them a lot stronger, assuming that paperwork goes through. There is a bit of an elephant in the room with Bellevue, isn't there? And that's that lack of league title, as you, as you mentioned before. 1993, the last time they won it. An incredible amount of time has passed since then uh, without a, a, a top-level league title to Bellevue's name. Is that a bigger deal for the fans or the riders, you know, do you think the riders get affected by that, or is this is this you know this time that's elapsed bigger deal for the fans because obviously the fans have been around a lot longer and probably got longer memories, and you know it's a it's a thing that the the, the fans want to get off their back. Yeah, I'm not sure if it affects the riders because most of them, obviously, most of them weren't even born when when that title happened in in '93, and and most of them won't have been around Bellevue for that many years, so they shouldn't feel it, but. Mark Lemon knows it's a question he gets asked time and again at the start of every season, whenever they go into the playoffs, because they've 
constantly made play ever since Mark Lemon's been there. They have made playoffs every time. They've made grand finals and they've come up short for, for whatever reason. And those questions will still continue to be asked until they win that trophy, that that that, that league title. All sorts of reasons why it's gone wrong in, in, in previous years. Um, but they have had strong teams and certainly since probably 2014, 2015, they'll feel they're owed at least one one league title and they've just got to find a way to get over the finishing line. Realistically, when you look at last year, okay, they lost Brady Kurtz um, at the very end uh, for the playoffs when he crashed out in the uh, in the Czech Golden Helmet, but they had the opportunity when Hans Andersen crashed out of the grand final in the, in the first ride. They had Peterborough in a really tough spot uh, when they were eight points in front into the closing stages, races that looked like they'd favour Bellevue, and suddenly Peterborough came charging back into it. And then you always felt after the first leg, I, I felt that Peterborough would then hang on and, and take it in the second leg. So Bellevue have got to find that way of getting out of the line. Now, whether that's psychological or mechanical or, or anything else, I don't know. The riders can't let it get to them. Once you start getting that sort of thing in your head, then that's when things do start to go wrong. But as I say, with that with that top four and then the rising star and so on, the, the ingredients are in place for Bellevue. It's just delivering it on track. And Bellevue have got well-established heat leaders. They've got Grand Prix riders, but they've also got strength down at the reserve department as well. Norik Bladorn, a hugely exciting rider who, who is yet to deliver his best for Bellevue, undoubtedly, but he's, he's learning all the time, and I think the fans can see that. You've got Tom Brennan, who, of course, knows his way around the National Speedway Stadium and, and proved that with um, being part of that Speedway of Nations winning side and, and great pretty much everywhere he goes, I think, as well at, at the minute. And, and Connor Bailey, who races with Tom Brennan at Glasgow, who... A lot of excitement about him. You know, I was at Glasgow the other week and, and the fans there really enjoy watching Connor Bailey race and he's Bellevue's number eight. So there's there's a lot of strength in depth um, down in the lower order as well. Yeah, I like uh, I like what I've seen from Bladorn. Saw him in the under-21s last year and definitely a, a talent. And probably with the way Tom Brennan's going, the pressure is off him to an extent at reserve because Tom Brennan can pick up a lot of the slack there and, and Tom we've spoken to him in the build up to the season um, and I know you've spoken to him extensively too and, and he speaks really well as well um, the, the the issue to add was his home form last year his away results for Bellevue were much better than his, than his, his home results um, early on that seems to be getting sorted um, this season and you mentioned they have Connor Bailey in the wings it'll be interesting to see how these number eights get deployed over the season some some clubs have number eights who are sort of more obvious stand-ins than others but basically if the number seven is unavailable for any reason then the number eight is the rider who comes in and also you can just decide to use the number eight if you fancy it if the number seven is not having a, a great time or having a bad run or whatever you can use the number eight for example at Ipswich they're going to use Daniel Hume um, actually as a guest on, on Thursday uh, because they see him as, as someone who's sort of of that level and um, there's a few where, who, who perhaps can't, aren't quite at the same level as the existing rising star but it's one to watch out for over the season to see who develops and who scores those points but I think, yeah, certainly in answer to your question with the way that's structured at, at the lower end in particular and the way Tom Brennan can score then he could get extra rides it certainly could, could be a real force in that position and again it makes Bellevue a, a good all-round unit so the opening fixtures of the British Speedway Premiership season are on Monday. It's Bank Holiday Monday, May the 2nd. 
12 o'clock starts Bellevue versus Peterborough Panthers. That's at the National Speedway Stadium. It is not live on TV. But what is live on TV from 7.30 and the start time at 8 o'clock for Wolverhampton Wolves versus the Kings Lynn Stars. So you can watch that on Eurosport 2 and on Discovery Plus as we enter this new era of British Speedway on television. And next, here on No Breaks, No Fear, we're going to look at another two teams that we haven't spoken about yet in the form of Ipswich and Sheffield. And we will hear from Simon Stead, the Sheffield team manager. And that's all on the way in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back. I'm Ian Brannan and this week I'm joined by Dave Rowe of Eurosport to look ahead to the opening fixtures that are going to be happening in the British Speedway Premiership over the next week or so. Uh, We're looking a little bit further ahead than we normally would and uh, out towards next week, uh, next Thursday, which will be May the 5th we're on to because on the Thursday uh, there's a few fixtures happening there and um, well... The Ipswich Witches are hosting the Bellevue Aces at 7.30 at Foxhall. Now, it's fair to say I think Ipswich's start to the season hasn't quite gone the way they would have hoped. But you look at the strength and depth that they've got in that side and certainly the, the, the riders they've got leading the line. Former world champion Jason Doyle, of course, involved. And uh, they've also got people like Danny King in the side and Eric Riss. And, you know, there's some big hitters in there. And surely it's going to turn around at some point, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, it's uh, not gone right for Ipswich so far for a variety of reasons and, and they're pleased that obviously there have been League Cup fixtures and not League matches so far, which they've been beaten in. Uh, the main issues, uh, obviously, well, illnesses for Cameron Heaps and Paul Stark. Um, and Cameron Heaps is certainly someone that needs the laps, needs the track time after the problems he had last year. Um, and obviously once you miss a meeting through illness, you're out for a week, so they've, they've lost track time there. And then Eric Riss, who rode superbly for them at Peterborough in their first League Cup meeting. He had a crash in uh, Lanshut at the weekend, so he missed their match at Kings Lynn on Monday night. So it's almost like deja vu, because last year, you'll recall the Ipswich lost about three riders in the space of a week, um, and that's what's happened, albeit they're not long-term, thankfully. Um, They would have wanted to keep their full team on track and get things together. Clearly, with the top two of Jason Doyle and Danny King, that is as strong, if not stronger, than everybody else. Throw in... Troy Batchelor, if we can see the real Troy Batchelor compared to what, what we saw last year. Riss had a, a really low average last season, but have started in good form. Then the prospects for Ipswich look encouraging, but they're a club that I think, because of the issues they had last year, making a quick start, making a good start is absolutely essential, and they wouldn't have wanted this kind of disruption that they've had in the League Cup, and the fact that that is a heck of an opener against Bellevue, assuming that's the Bellevue team that we expected to be on the 5th of May. That's a big night at Foxhall, and the pressures on Ipswich, on Richie Hawkins, on Chris Louie to deliver for the Witches have gone out. They've got Jason Doyle, one of the world's top riders, so the um, certainly the mentality is there. They they know what they want to do, but it's up to the boys to go out on track and do it for Ipswich to have a much better year. 
Ipswich have a couple of riders who, by their own admission, didn't have quite the season that they were hoping last year um, in, in the side this year. And I'm thinking in particular Eric Riss and Troy Batchelor, who fairly indifferent, certainly in the, in the opening part of the season, then got themselves going perhaps towards the end. But we're seeing different characters entirely. Troy Batchelor has had some good form so far for Oxford in the championship. And same for, for Eric Riss as well, who's racing for Red Car, put some big scores away there, and he's done all right when he's been riding for Ipswich. But um, I, I know he's got better to give, but it must be pleasing to see these riders getting back to the, the form that we know that they're capable of. Yeah, I think Eric, Eric Riss had, had issues uh, both on and off track um, last year, especially I know he had issues with the tyres. Uh, they, they weren't uh, what he... For his setup, they they weren't right. He's clearly done lots of work over the winter to improve. And he, from what I've seen so far, he looks m- much more the uh, the Eric Riss that we've seen in in years gone by. And for Troy Batchelor, um, similar comments to what we mentioned about Nick Morris earlier in the Swindon team that was champions in in nineteen. Troy Batchelor was almost every inch as good as Jason Doyle. Their their averages were very very similar, and they were the out and out top two in the league. So the fact that Ipswich have got the two of them plus Danny King plus Eric Riss. It looks it looks good. There, there was some debate about them building a team slightly below the points limit, and and I think they accept that, that those comments, but they say they've got the riders that they want. Um, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. But I think if they get certainly two of the riders in that team who had tough seasons last year back to anywhere near their best, Ipswich that Ipswich team should be certainly challenging for certainly challenging and probably in the top four. Well, another team who are um, certainly for many people favourites this year or one of the favourites for uh, for glory are the Sheffield Tigers who opened their league campaign at home at Ollerton against the reigning champions the Peterborough Panthers on May the 5th that's uh, next Thursday from the point of view that this uh, this podcast is released you might be listening to it after the event but Thursday May the 5th is the date and um, Sheffield have already shown in the Premiership League Cup what they've got because when they've travelled to some tricky places like Bellevue, like Wolves, they've got wins on the road, and that's uh, certainly a, a big indicator of, of, of success uh, potentially. And now with riders like Jack Holder in their lineup, they've got Adam Ellis, Craig Cook, Tobias Musilak uh, back in British Speedway as well. It's an exciting lineup, and you fancy it's going to be a, a good year for uh, for the Tigers fans. Yeah, Sheffield have done, I think, what people expected. Um, Possibly even more so if you whether you thought they'd win at both Bellevue and Wolverhampton. Certainly, I, I felt they'd win at Bellevue in the League Cup. Um, I think the Wolverhampton result was a, a more impressive one. It was really perfect team building over the winter. There were some eyebrows raised when they released Josh Pickering, um, who ended up, of course, at Kingsland, and Kingsland are mighty happy about that. I think probably the situation was that, that Josh Pickering actually did too well with Sheffield last season, and it didn't quite work out with what else they had um, in, in mind. But to to put together a team of, of Holder and Ellis, so you've got a, a newly introduced Grand Prix rider, the British champion, Craig Cook coming in, Tobias Mujelak back in British Speedway, and that's great to see because he's a good guy and a, a really exciting rider. And the space for what they've uh, they've built lower down. Um, yeah, Sheffield, I think, went into the season as, as favourites. A lot can happen between April and October. We've seen that time and again. You don't know, A, whether injuries or, or form will affect them and you don't know what other clubs will do clearly Bellevue have changed the game straight away as far as we, we, we can tell but Sheffield 
I think we've 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 talked through all the six Premiership clubs, and we've we've found reasons to be optimistic about all of them, and reasons why they will feel optimistic. And that's the the great thing about this league; it, it does look pretty close and, and tight. But I would see no reason why Sheffield shouldn't retain that spot as favourites at this stage. We'll see in three or four matches' time. But if they can carry on that momentum from, from the League Cup group, um, which they've won three out of three so far, really impressive stuff. And, and Sheffield should be there. Well, as you mentioned, Dave, a few team changes for Sheffield from last year. Outgoing are Josh Pickering, Troy Batchelor and Danian Hume. And in come Craig Cook, Tobias Mujalak and Connor Mountain. And Ryan Guest has been speaking with the Sheffield team manager, Simon Stead, about integrating those new boys in and looking ahead to the season coming up. Everybody's doing their job. Uh, everybody's putting in a good performance. That takes the pressure off um, the heat leaders. And uh, and like you said, it's a more relaxed camp, and I think of course that helps. But just the fact that everybody's everybody's doing their job and um, and riding so well for the team uh, is is testament to the lads. Yeah, if we can just take a, a quick look at a couple of the boys more in focus. Uh, Craig Cook, he hasn't really got going with Glasgow in the championship at all yet. Only the fourth time on the bike this year, but already showing signs, picking up race wins here and there as well, and plenty to build on for him. Yeah, it, it, and. I thought I thought he had a I thought he had a really strong meeting at, at Wolverhampton. Um, spoke to him a lot about that, um, and he, he's such a talent. And and I think you know he's only just getting going. We haven't we haven't even started yet. Like you said, Glasgow haven't started, so he's not had a lot of track time. And I think. Uh, with more track time, uh, we'll only see him get better and better. And I think if if that's the sign of things to come, then we can all be really excited about it. Yeah, before the season, we spoke about the reserve pairing with Stefan Connor coming back to Sheffield after uh, previous spells as well. Like you say, the way the team was built, the pressure was off then. But when you look at Stefan tonight, involved in all three five ones as well. Yeah, he did really well. Um, I, I'm pleased for him because, you know... He, he wants to do so well all the time and, and again he's not had a lot of track time with Birmingham two, two rain offs there as, uh, on their home meetings so he's not had that much um, not, not that much track time so his ability and his effort last season didn't go unnoticed and that's why he got a, another, another shot at it this year and um, he prove, he's proving to be a really good signing for us once again Yeah and that extra uh, track time bike time that you spoke about they're going to be really important as well now with the, the gap in Sheffield's schedule as well whether that's championship or abroad Yeah that's right I mean I was speaking to um, I was speaking to to Adam and you know he's you know May's really going to get kick started for, for a lot of the lads um, you know Adam's schedule in particular is really really hectic in, in May um, and I think it'll be I think it'd be great for a few of them to get a bit more track time. Uh, I think you can, uh, I think you can take a lot from uh, from actually racing your bike. You know, I was a big believer about staying active and, um, and and riding as much as you can. So, uh, like I said, early signs are very very good. Um, and the beauty about it is, um, I think we can build on what we've already done. Peterborough reigning champions, only the one team change, so going to be a, a good one to kick the league proceedings off here. Yeah, they're a very very good lineup. They're they're a solid outfit um, with a with a, a great team manager in Rob Lyon, who I respect uh, very much, and um, it will be a tough test for us. We know that. Um, but we just need to concentrate on what we can do. Um, concentrate on on how we go about our business uh, and, and and improve on on tonight and and keep doing what we're doing. 
Sheffield team manager Simon Stead speaking to Ryan Guest there uh, about integrating those new lads in and, and looking ahead to that uh, first p- um, fixture in the Premiership for Sheffield against Peterborough next week. It's um, Thursday, May the 5th, the opening fixture for the Sheffield Tigers against the Peterborough Panthers. Now from Panthers to Cheetahs because it was a big fixture at the Oxford Stadium last week. Another sellout crowd, over 2,000 tickets sold and even more people watching on the BSN live stream as well as the Oxford Cheetahs took on the Pool Pirates. It was a very close meeting. It didn't start off close and you might argue the final scoreline didn't end close either, but um, the lead did swap over a couple of times between Oxford and Poole, and uh, great to see such a big crowd thoroughly entertained, so much so I think they're on the verge of selling out for the uh, match at Oxford this week as well when they take on uh, the Red Car Bears. But for the Poole Pirates, I mean... <laughs> Every year, is there ever a weak Pool Pirates side? But uh, the Pool Pirates, Dave, once again looking very, very strong and look to be heading to uh, be the team to beat in the championship once again. Yeah, you can never, you can never actually nail people on at this stage. But um, if I was going to, if I was going to nail somebody on, it would be Pool to be not only top six, but probably top top two as well. Uh, they just look so strong all the way. They they they've built a team with with three big heat leaders, and they've got the strength lower down. So. Fair, fair play to Paul once again for for doing that. Oxford, I think, is a fantastic story. Fantastic to see that that club back. Um, the pictures I've seen, the the footage I've seen so far from the opening two meetings. Um, I'm heading down there on Wednesday myself to have a look. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, they're not in the first season. It's highly unlikely that they're going to win all the meetings. They've done well to build the team. They did obviously um, the sad loss of, of Kent from the championship uh, this year, uh, the Central Park venue, meant that Oxford were able to go in and get Scott Nichols and Troy Batchelor as their top two. I was really pleased to see Jack Thomas scoring. I think it was pay fifteen at Newcastle on Sunday. He's a he's a young runner to watch. He's got real talent. Good to see. And yeah, there'll be ups and downs on track for Oxford this year, no doubt about that. And if they can, if they make the playoffs, they make top six in their first year. Um, I think that would be a, a good achievement uh, in, in that first year. But the big thing is to build the club, keep the crowds coming, keep the entertainment going. And those people that have not had Speedway there for 15 years and now got it on a weekly basis, which is wonderful. And I just hope that that also gives others encouragement that the sport can come back to those places. O- Oxford's a really good story. Yeah, it's an, and they've got it right as well because they've got it. They've got a modern feel to it too. And they open the pits up more than anywhere I've ever seen uh, in Speedway. And, and that's not to say this doesn't happen anywhere else because I, I just haven't seen it. But um, at Oxford, um, people were arriving early, say about half five. You could get straight into the pits. You can unrestricted access pretty much into the pits, meet your idols, have a look at the bikes, get your photos taken. It's fantastic uh, thing to be able to do, especially for kids, but to be honest, for adults as well. It's, it's brilliant and They've got these um, food food stalls, street food going on. They've got a DJ playing music. It's it's a brilliant, a modern way of of hosting a meeting, I have to say. And a bit of a nostalgia element, I suppose, for many people in the area as well who will remember going to meetings there in 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 the days of some of the great idols that used to ride for for Oxford. And you know, it's, it's I found it. I mean, I only went once when I was a youngster, but you know, it was great. It brought back memories. It was, it was great. Yeah, I, I think the nostalgia element is, is, is a fair, is, is a fair one. I, I grew up as people were now supporting Coventry. Oxford and Coventry was a big rivalry in the 1980s. I remember going down to Cowley, watching Hans Nielsen and the great Simon Wig taking on 
Tommy Nudson and Calvin Tatum, fantastic days, fantastic meetings. And then more recently working in the media, remember the old facilities, which are probably probably quite similar to how they are now, but the, the, stadium, the stadium itself is, is looks great. And what it does is it, it gives encouragement. The work they've done there, you mentioned the, the tree clearing and whatever, the, me- the mess that they've uh, swept up and, and got rid of. These sites, and I, I'm involved, again, with, with, with the Coventry efforts, and people say you'll never get, be branded in, in such a bad state and it is but Oxford prove that with the work and the people there that are involved you can turn around a situation like that in in not too much time I don't know whether when they when they had the um the clearance to say yes you can run sport at Oxford again which came through I think it was midway through last year whether they were really looking at 22 or 23 to restart and then they just realized so quickly we can do this we can get a team on track in 22 and and get it done and to have that known by september october last year so they could build a team i think it's a phenomenal job by everyone there and yeah more power to them F- fantastic job it's great to see the way it started and if you've got coventry heritage you're going to be in luck because uh, peter york uh, the former coventry announcer is uh, is the man on the mic on the center green as well <laughs> yeah and apparently um, dave hammond as well in the box who was also the uh, the regular announcer at coventry for for many years so very much so and um, you made you made a good point about the access uh, as well with the riders the riders are fantastic when it comes to uh, supporters and kids and selfies and autographs so these venues where you can get in these places, not every venue has quite the same facilities or the ability to, to get in beforehand, but certainly in Oxford, I like what they've done with the pits on the back straight. Um, everyone will look after you, they'll welcome you, so take advantage of it because it's, it's really good. Yeah, and it's amazing who you meet in the pits um, because it was the featured match on, on BSN last week and, well, do you know what? There were some celebrity spanner men because we had um, former world champion Chris Holder and his brother Jack Holder, a current Grand Prix star heading into the 2022 GP season. And uh, they were on the spanners and helping out the Cook brothers, uh, Zach and Ben Cook. So uh, we had a chat with them. Hayley Bromley and Lee Kilby having a chat with uh, Chris and Jack Holder. Yeah, it's my day off. Um, <laughs> no, um, uh, Zachy uh, helps me throughout the, throughout the week for Sheffield, so... Um, yeah, on my day off, I gotta re- repay the favour and help him. And um, but no, nah, it's all good and uh, yeah, all good fun. Um, nothing else where I would want to be. <laughs> That's it, surrounding yourself in the speedway world, eh? None, none of us want to be anywhere else. Nah, exactly. Um, but yeah, tonight is the first time I've been to Oxford, so you know I can't give him too many tips. I think you might have been here oh, a long time ago. <laughs> I, just, I just come for the for the food. I heard. it's good. <laughs> just winging it. Just wing it. I mean, Chris Holder, the 2012 World Speedway champion. We don't get to see you often enough on UK shores. Obviously, a stalwart of pool pirates. Still very much in the pits over there with Midlow, with uh, with Jack. Uh, the boys two points down at the moment, but uh, not doing too bad. Yeah, it's looking quite good. Um, like Jack said, it's uh, I've been here for a long time, and it, I obviously heard all the hype about the place and seen the changes and everything. And that's not far away from pool either, so. Thought we'd come up, have a look, and it's really good. Impressed, really impressed with it. And um, yeah, the pirates are digging deep, and hopefully we just snatch it on the line. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want for the. That's what we want for the viewers, eh? I mean, I know you're not racing over at the moment, but it still must make you feel really pleased to get tracks like this back into British Speedway because it does nothing but add to the quality that we've got, and in the hope that we grow and grow and grow in the future. For sure. And uh, hopefully you'll be back in the future. Yeah, definitely. Like you only got to look at the crowd here. It's you know it's one of the biggest crowds I've seen in England, Barpool. Um, for a long time, but um, yeah, Matt's actually watching, I think, so I've got to keep plugging him. Um, 
But yeah, of course, and it's always good to get trucks back and all that kind of thing, so it's excellent and, you know, obviously rules and regulations abroad make it hard for, you know, guys to come back here, but we all, while you live here, it's easy to race here, so yeah. that's the bottom line, but... At the minute, it's a bit out of my hands, but yeah, one day in the future for sure. That would be terrific. I mean, Jack, for you, it must be an interesting season. Um, making your debut in the Grand Prix series, you've seen your brother Chris do it. He's won Grand Prix, he's won the World Championship. Do you think you Completed can follow? It. Com- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do you think you can follow in our older brother's footsteps? I hope so. You know, that's everyone's dream, and that's my my own dream to do that. Um, and yeah, to be honest, it hasn't really sunk in that I'm actually in there. Um, I'm still trying to pinch myself, and I think um, come next weekend, I think it will all set in that, um, you know, rare and t- trying to chase my dream, and it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited and can't wait for it, and, yeah, hopefully you can help me as much as I helped him. Uh, that was what I was going to say, actually, because <laughs> yeah. we remember you there a lot, eh, when, when Chris did it. Going to be going to yeah, return sure. that favour? Yeah, as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first round's obviously a little bit difficult because we race on a Friday in Poland and they're on Saturday, so... You know, getting there is going to be tricky. But if I can, of course, I want to be there. It's, um, you know, I've been there and, you know, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of nerves and everything and um, keep him under control. But I'm sure he'll be fine. It's just like, it's, it's like any other meeting, right? Yeah. Yeah. But obviously your life depends on it. But, um, nah, he'll um, want to do good and, you know, he's beaten all these guys before. So it's just doing it on that day is the hardest part. Yeah. Fantastic. What are you getting up to these days then, Chris, with you racing in Poland? Where about where else are you racing? Are you racing anywhere else? I'm just I'm hanging around, I'm everywhere. Um <laughs> it's been good, you know, since the COVID's all sort of blown over a little bit, we can travel a lot easier. So we're stuck in Poland but now back in England pretty much full time. So, you know, Max is getting older, so hanging out with him and keeping an eye on Jack and watching the pool pirates, really. Oh, so there you go. That's uh, Chris Holder and Jack Holder who were working on the spanners in the pits. Uh, in their downtime for uh, the Cook Brothers for the Pool Pirates. And, um, well, do you know what? It worked because, well, the Cook Brothers had a fairly decent night, as did the Pirates. It finished Oxford 42, Pool 48. And speaking afterwards, we uh, caught up with the two team managers. We'll hear from Jason Crump in a moment, but first, Neil Middleditch. I mean, it was all a bit of an unknown for us because they changed the track since I was here last. And uh, so we're sort of just trying to pick up from riders who've been here. But yeah, no, the boys did really well tonight. Well, you know, as we all know, Pool are the, you know, they're the pace setters in, in the league. And um, after the result Friday, I think the boys did a pretty decent job to, to claw us back into the match. Just just ran out of a little bit of steam. Scott had a bit of a bike problem in Heat 13, but... Um, yeah, I mean, Pool are a tough team, and you know, it's it, it's no dis no dis uh, no disgrace to get. No, and you can take a lot of positives away from that. Yeah, I mean, Kyle's had a great night. Dylan showing some good form. Jack picked himself up. You know, it's you know we were a man down before we started, so um, always makes it a bit tough. But you know, Pool are a great team, and and you know, my old mate Midlow does a good job managing <laughs> them, and you know, the 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 recipe's been been in the water down there for years, yeah, hasn't absolutely. it? As Jason Crump speaking with Lee Kilby. After their defeat against the Pool Pirates at home, the um, Oxford Chiefs then went on a northern tour. They went to Berwick last Saturday, where they were beaten 59-31, but uh, got a win on the road against the Newcastle Diamonds, 41-48. A big four-pointer in the championship away for Oxford, who are back in action this week. Wednesday, at home against the Red Car Bears in the Championship Knockout Cup first round, first leg. And the return on Friday will be back at Redcar at the Echo Arena. 7.30 start time for the second leg of that Championship Knockout Cup first round clash. 
against the Oxford Cheetahs, and that match will be screened live on British Speedway Network, BSN. You can sign up for that for Friday night. In the next part of No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about Leicester. We're going to hear from Richie Worrell and Stuart Dixon in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back. I'm Ian Brannan. In this episode, I'm joined by Dave Rowe of Eurosports, who uh, has been looking ahead to what's going to be happening in the Premiership season, which gets underway on Eurosport on Monday night, the 2nd of May, when Wolves host the Kingsland Stars. Right now, we're going to have a, a little general review of what's been happening elsewhere in, in Speedway, um, across the, the Championship in particular, because uh, the Birmingham Brummies took on the Berwick Bandits last Wednesday, but it was a meeting that was abandoned after two completed heats, a big crash involving Josh Orty, and not so much the lack of ambulances, but the lack of the right medical cover the right qualifications morphine was administered and and that really changed things um dave rowe you uh, know a little bit more about this what was the situation with the brummies yeah it's a concerning situation obviously first and foremost our, our best wishes go to josh orty who's got a broken leg and i understand has had successful surgery on that so we hope that uh, he gets back to uh, back to full health soon um he lost it um he actually lifted on the second bend and, and recovered it and then lifted on the fourth bend and came down into the into the fence just beyond the air fence. For those that know Perry Bar, there's a, um, a tractor entry just off bend four and he hit the fence just, just beyond that. And uh, he actually got off the bike, but he still went into the fence pretty hard. And um, yeah, it's a concern... What happened, obviously, he had treatment on the track and we could see from the from the box what was going on there. And we were initially told that uh, a county ambulance was, was on the way and then that very quickly changed to say that there was going to be actually a, a six-hour wait for a county ambulance, which is... Well, that's a story in itself. When you, you know, if you, we, we can go on forever about the the current situation within the NHS and all the waiting lists and hospitals and whatever. But but anyway, that that was the situation. Um, and then, but obviously, the paramedic had also said, well, because he had administered morphine, as you, as you rightly say, then he would have to accompany Josh to hospital anyway. So it's going to get um, club, clubs are going to have to look at this um, as to will they need to extend their medical cover beyond what is re- required as the minimum. And that's clearly, when you extend that, that, that obviously means looking at the provision for a second ambulance on site and a second paramedic, such that if the main paramedic um, has to leave the stadium, the meeting can continue. Obviously, there's going to be a cost element to that, but the other side of that is what's the cost of supporters coming to a meeting, seeing two races, crash, obviously everyone understands, crash can happen, um, but then the meeting to be abandoned, obviously, is, is, is not good. There was a situation, a similar one at Mildenhall, when they ran the under-21 semi-final earlier in the season. Uh, very similar delay quoted for uh, ambulance cover, and they actually basically put together a new medical team on the fly, on the day. There was a, there's a motocross venue nearby that they managed to get assistance from, and they managed to rerun that meeting, a daytime daytime meeting, of course, so they, they got it back underway after a delay of about two and a half hours, and they, and they got it run, which was fair credit to them. But if you're... If you're a an evening club and you have an incident like that, then it must be a concern. I know Leicester put out a statement straight away saying they would have two ambulances at all meetings from that point on. And I'm sure it's been discussed um, in higher offices than mine as, as to what you do. Um, the first priority is the injured rider. Obviously, everyone will understand that. Um, but obviously, 
it is not ideal to, at all to have a meeting curtailed after two races. You've got Berwick travelling a long way, the travel of that, the, the fans have only seen two races. So hopefully they'll be able to come up with some way, some way in which this doesn't happen in future. Yeah, it's a tricky one because you speak to any promoter and, and they will tell you that one of your biggest costs of running a Speedway meeting is the, the medical cover issue. And, and really doubling that, you know, you're doubling your costs. It's, uh, it's, it's a tricky one to balance, but uh, we'll see what can be done to try and smooth that situation out. Now, um, a weekend of mixed fortunes for the Glasgow Tigers. We're going to come to their visit at Leicester in a few moments. But um, first of all, at Ashfield, they took on the Berwick Bandits in a, a fairly local derby, really, as far as things go in, in this part of the world, between Glasgow and Berwick. 56-34 it ended. And is this the season where we are going to finally see Glasgow do it for the Fasenas? Because that's a, a big thing on the agenda. Getting that league championship is surely the number one objective. And, and certainly at home, they're looking pretty invincible. Yeah, Glasgow probably feels a bit like Bellevue. We talked about Bellevue in the Premiership. Now, it's nowhere near that long since since Glasgow won it, uh, 2011, I think it was. Um, but it's the fact that you're right, obviously, under new ownership and with so much investment in uh, the Ashfield Stadium as well. And again, as with Bellevue, they've been there or thereabouts. They've been to grand finals and things have gone wrong and they've lost those grand finals, notably in 2019 when their former manager, Stuart Dixon, came back and won it with Leicester. Um, and then last year, of course, they, they lost out to Poole. Glasgow will definitely be in the playoffs with the team they've got. I have no doubt about that. And I think Berwick, I agree with you. I think they they, they look a good team. And, and certainly the, the scores they've knocked in around their home circuit so far would indicate that they are um, going to be very, very hard to beat there. And Chris Harris has found the way to, to ride that track. Goodness me, if you see some of the footage from uh, from Bomber uh, on Saturday, um, he's a, a very, very good leader for, for that team. Um there are clubs in the championship who will, I think, build some pretty strong home records, and there's no doubt that Berwick will be one of them. The question is, can they find probably two or three away venues they can get points or even wins, and that's what you need to make the top six. Well, it was a bit of a night to forget for Glasgow on the road as they visited Leicester, the Paul Chapman and Sons Arena. They went down 52-38. Um, but they had a closer meeting against the Red Car Bears, did Leicester, on the Friday night. It ended 48-42, Leicester claiming an away point, but there were some frustrations, particularly with some of the decisions from the referee. Nick Morris showing his frustration by riding straight through the tapes at one point, and um, Richie Worrell also had some fairly strong views. Didn't mince his words, our Richie. He's been speaking with Ryan Nassau after that uh, narrow defeat against Redcar uh, on Friday night last week. Richie, a fair result in the end? Yeah, we got a point out of it, didn't we? Um, a couple of, couple of guys struggled. Uh, but definitely would have been nice to get a win. You know, we, we have lost on the road now. It's the third one. Um, slightly annoying. When, when we're so strong at home, when you, I look at the team and I'm... I do think we're really strong. Uh, we just can't seem to do it on the road. Well, improving signs tonight in comparison to the last two. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, we got a point out of it. Had a tough red, red car. Um, and you've got lads that are going quick as well. So, yeah, there's that positive, I suppose. Is what top is. Yeah. Yeah, there's that positive. Uh, personally, uh, thought you rode well tonight, did you? Yeah, I mean, I do like this track anyway. Always prepared really well. Uh, it's always raceable and yeah I do, I do I actually really enjoy riding this place so um, reflects on the results obviously 
And do you think that Leicester need to pick up their away form to secure a place in the playoffs, or will your home form get you there? I mean, picking up a point on the road's not bad, I suppose. Wins would be better, but I feel like if we picked up a point every time we went away, we'd make it into the playoffs. And what if you know if we won every single home match? So, like I said, that's that's the main focus now, isn't it? You know, getting the playoffs, and then you know. Build from there. Yeah, and then worry about the rest of it. To be honest, so you can't get too far ahead. But it's very, very early doors. Yeah. Um, you know, Stuart's, Stuart's quite a witty fella, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't expect us to be losing on the road. I'm pointing everything in. And, and I know Nick is. Uh, I know everybody is, to be honest. But yeah, it, it's it's just not quite good enough right now. And the last last one, a word on Nick. After his issue with the referee, he looked really fired up. Yeah, I mean. That was a very bad decision, to be honest. And uh, without putting my foot in my mouth, I'm seeing a lot of new referees, a lot of new faces that I've never seen before. You know, this is professional sport. This at the end of the day, a professional sport with money on the line, wages on the line, and that decision was well, it was shocking, to be honest. And I've seen a couple of shocking ones go against me that cost me money, go against Nick that cost him money. So something really needs to change because it's. On that sense, it's so unprofessional. You know, we're all here putting our, our necks on the line, livelihoods, and then we've got somebody who can make a decision like that and take money off us. You know, there should be some kind of system set up. Like horse racing, you, know, you can see who, who got across yeah, yeah. the line first. You couldn't, all that money, you know, again, there's money at stake, betting and things like that. You could not go, right, who do you think won that one then? Uh, I'm not sure, but just give it him. That's what's going on in British Speedway, and it is absolutely shocking, to be honest. Because, like, like I said, livelihoods are on the line. I feel like I'm ranting on, but it <laughs> needs to change. It really does need to change. We're all trying to be as professional as we can, and then we've got that happening. It's just yeah. ridiculous. I see your point. I'm playing devil's advocate. If Nick hadn't packed up in the previous race, thus costing him two points, does he have the same reaction, do you think? Of course he does, because Nick wants to, he wants to win every single race. Like me, you know, we're, we're animals in that sense. Of That's why we're here, and that's why we go on a bike, and that's why not many people can get on and, and, and ride with the aggression. Well, to the, to the level that we do, it, it, there's a little bit of something inside you that just makes you stand out from the rest. So, uh, Richie Worrell there, um, venting his views, and uh, it was a bit of an explosive evening for, for Nick Morris as well. Um, that said, I, I'm not sure that the red car bears were too keen on complaining about any of the, the decisions, Dave, because it went their way. And um, red car, as it stands at the time of recording, unbeaten in the championship, wins all the way. Well, seemingly uh, Nick Morris uh, felt that he had um, he had got the verdict over Eric Riss and hit 11 and was... Um, was not shy in, in pointing out that, and, and actually uh, a bit of a bit of pantomime stuff, I think, probably goes down quite well um, with the crowd. Um, it's interesting. Redcar have got a good team. Um, absolutely, they have. Certainly, a, a great heat leader trio, an exciting team, and a club that's that's done very well in, in recent years. What they also have, I think, is a very very fair racetrack and one that other teams enjoy getting around. Um, whether that will hamper them when it comes to big meetings and trying to get big scores on the board in aggregates, I don't know. But, but what I'll say is that I spoke to um, Stuart Dixon, the Leicester manager, who was absolutely mortified by the fact they lost 60-30 at Plymouth on Tuesday. He was 
absolutely spewing, spitting blood, whatever. When when Stuart loses, Stuart's not a happy man, I can tell you that. He was very unhappy. And I said to him, I think you'll get a point at red car, whatever happens. Um, and that's what they did. And you could argue, with no disrespect to Plymouth, who've done a great job and but have got their issues with Palm Toft injured and covering that gap at number one, you would probably argue that red car on paper looks stronger than Plymouth. Um, and yet Plymouth went to red car and got a point. And so did Leicester. And so I wonder with Redcar, maybe when it comes towards the real crunch, the business end, going to a two-legged final, probably away teams will go there thinking we actually enjoy this track and we can, if not win, we can get close there. That might be the one step that Redcar have to take. You always see really close meetings at Redcar. You very rarely see a pasting. And uh, that's something that's not lost on Jamie Swales, one of the Redcar co-promoters, who says that that fairness of the track really actually perhaps works against Redcar themselves and, and prevents them from being able to run up big leads? Uh, bigger leads would be lovely, uh, but this track just doesn't lend itself to that. Um, it is the fairest track in this league, possibly even the country. Um, so while we'd like to run the scores up a bit more, especially for like the cup matches and playoff matches, um, it, it's going to be really hard to do around here. Um, I've spoke about it with a few people before and I keep saying I wouldn't change it. Uh, heat 15 tonight, you won't see a better heat than that anywhere in the country. Um, there's probably more passes in that race than, than some tracks get in a full meeting. Um, so although it's hard for us to build a lead up, the crowd get really into it. So, you know, if we had a bit more home track advantage, then Leicester probably wouldn't have got a point tonight. But I'm happy with the performance. Um, second strings weighed in with some points tonight which was nice to see uh, just the reserves struggled a little bit but overall once again I think the team's building and as the season goes on it's going to get better and better so that ended Redcar 48 Leicester 42 Scunthorpe Scorpions took on the Birmingham Brummies of course Scunthorpe being without Josh Orty uh, not ideal for facing the Scunthorpe Scorpions who are a side who I think you can say do have quite a bit of uh, home track advantage it finished 54-36 definitely looks like a Scunthorpe team that's been built um, with the prime aim of, uh, of winning home matches. I don't think that would be un- unfair to say that. Um, but last year, of course, it got them into the playoffs because they uh, they did get an away win uh, at Birmingham, it was, in fact, uh, for Scunthorpe, and they, they kept a very strong home record throughout the season. I don't see any reason why that won't be the case. Ryan Douglas is... is in terrific form this year. Zane Kennedy's been a really good pickup. He went he went well there last year with Leicester and he scored big against Birmingham. Um, I don't think we've seen really, in, in case of Birmingham, they've only run 12 races at home so far this season with rain-offs and the issue we we saw about with, with, with Josh Orty and an abandoned meeting due to the weather again. So it's hard to really read where they're going to be, um, but certainly they haven't yet picked up a point away from home, so that, that will disappoint them. And I think in the Scunthorpe meeting, they fell away, Birmingham, towards the end. I think they were in reasonable contention until heat 10, heat 11, and it, it just it faded away from them. So that's something they'll, they'll want to improve on. But they've got a tough one at pull this week as well. And speaking of tough meetings, uh, Newcastle have had a tough time. Uh, they went to Edinburgh and uh, went down 58-32 in the Championship Knockout Cup first round, second leg. And um, then uh, also in the Championship, um, beaten by Oxford, who were the visitors. Oxford getting those points on the road, four points in the bag for them, winning uh, 41-48, the final score on Sunday. 
Yeah, really difficult. We know the situation with um, with Bradley Wilson-Dean. Um, he, he's currently on the injured list. He wasn't scoring, in all fairness, so it's clearly something something wrong, whether it was mechanical or, or fitness-wise early on. So they have been they have been using guests at number one, which probably hasn't uh, hampered them too much. They've used the likes of Richie Worrell, for example, as a guest. Uh, but then, of course, Paul Stark, who was going well, um, he had a, an illness, so he's missed uh, the last couple of meetings as well. Um they have got people definitely that, that can get around their home circuit. The likes of Max Clegg and James Wright, and we've seen some, some and Matthew Weathers too. Um, they've got to get some home wins on the board, haven't they, Newcastle? I don't, I don't think, with all due respect, that their ambitions are not going to be rocking up to away venues and picking up big away wins at this stage for that promotion for that club. And we we desperately hope it, it works out because we nearly lost Newcastle at the end of last season, so it's important that they that they survive. Um, they've got to try and find a way of winning some home matches and. Interesting matches this weekend for them because they've got Berwick home and away. Um, so I think again they know they're going to have it have it tough at Shieldfield Park. But can they can they get something in the home meeting? Yeah, a big weekend ahead in that uh, northeast derby for Newcastle and Berwick, uh, as Dave mentioned, they're home and away this weekend. Um, it was Glasgow's first trip out on the road last week and uh, ended in defeat, actually, in the championship as they visited the Paul Chapman and Sons Arena, Leicester Lions 52, Glasgow Tigers 38. We can hear the thoughts after that meeting now from the Leicester team manager, Stuart Dixon. Yeah, it was a very good performance to, to win 52-38 against uh, one, of the, one, of, one, of the, one of the top teams in the league, no doubt about that. Uh, I think it surpassed ex- expectations. Three points for us, none for them. Um, yeah, very pleased, yeah. After what's been a tough week with uh, the defeat down at Plymouth and then getting a point last night at Red Car, Nick Morris and Richie Worrell led the team well tonight, but the, the 5-1 from the Thompson Twins in 14 brought the house down. Yeah, certainly did. Benjamin Basso, a very spectacular rider, very good rider. Um, no quarter asked or given by any any the three riders. He done Benjamin Basso done a, a very brave move going into the third bend and um, very fair, very hard move. And uh, the twins repaid the repaid the compliment coming into the first bend uh, on the on the, the next lap, I think it was. And um, very brave move and he, he done well to stay stay on the bike. Uh, hard but fair move. Both back with the twins gave him back what, what he gave to them. And um, as you say, it rightly brought the house down when we got the five one. Yeah. And crucial wins on the night for people like Connor Mountain, Joe Thompson with a couple of great rides and it'll take the riders a while to get into the season but uh, what's your thoughts so far on what the Lions have done? Yeah, well, I think we had a tough meeting last week against Poole, one of the, the favourites for the league. I think we've also faced Glasgow tonight, another one of the favourites for the league. Um, we got a result last night at Redcastle. Um, we bounced back, obviously, for the disappointment with Scunthorpe and Plymouth away from home to get four points over the last 48 hours. It's certainly been... Uh, more like it from a Lions point of view I mentioned to Louis Kerr tonight for coming in and doing a very steady job for us tonight uh, done very well and um, that was with our skipper tonight Kyle Howarth who hopefully will be back next week against Redcar but um, I'm very pleased four points over the two nights as it was certainly the minimum target we got that and I, I am very pleased and um, it's more like what I expect from this Lions team yeah and it doesn't get any easier next week Redcar in town but that's Quite a few of the top teams here already, and uh, you've seen two of them off. You can see the red car team off next week. Yeah, fingers crossed. We, we are quite good around our home patch. You know, I mean, the, the riders uh, have proved that over the course of this, the start of this season already. We have another tough challenge next week. Red car, we've got an excellent heat leader trio. Louis Kerr will be back here, obviously, riding, riding for them, the way Speedway works. Um, but uh, obviously, we've got, we'll hopefully have a skipper back, as you say, with Richie and Nick leading for the front again. Kyle will join them again. And uh, the twins, a very good run here as well, Connor. 
done well as well. We're um, we're quite a force on our home track. Uh, Red Car, we know will give us a stiff stiff opposition, but a tough meeting. But uh, we look forward to the challenge. Yeah. Congratulations, Stuart. Another good three points and good luck for next week. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you. As the Leicester team boss, Stuart Dixon, speaking with Martin Coleman after Leicester's win against the Glasgow Tigers last week. 52-38, it finished. Um, this week for Glasgow, they're again on the road and this time visiting Armadale. Just that juicy tie between the Edinburgh Monarchs and the Glasgow Tigers. Friday night, 7.30, Edinburgh will be showing that as a live stream as well. So you can look out for that. But that, that's one of the great fixtures in its Scottish derby. It's all on the line. Always an interesting fixture, Glasgow and Edinburgh. They had two close meetings in the league last season when they both won at each other's venues. They met in the knockout cup when Edinburgh went through. They met in the playoffs when Glasgow went through. They always seem to be meeting in competitions and um, I know the atmosphere there is absolutely fervent and both teams will be, will be desperate. Glasgow, yeah, I don't think they'll be too upset with the defeat at Leicester. Leicester is going to prove to be a very tough place for people to visit. We've seen the 60-plus scores that Leicester have had at home in some of their meetings so far. Um Stuart Dixon referred to the race and it's worth watching. It's out there to watch. The race between the Thompson boys and Benjamin Basso is pretty fierce and it's definitely worth watching. Um, but I would think Glasgow will will get some points on the road as things go. Whether it happens this weekend, um, I don't know. I think Edinburgh will be really fired up for it. I think there'll be, there'll be two really good derby clashes there. Well, we've got a big clash on Wednesday. Then this week, upcoming fixtures. Pool Pirates hosting the Birmingham Brummies. Now, Birmingham have not had the best start, it's fair to say, and they've had a bit of misfortune as well with rain-offs, with injury to riders like uh, Josh Orty in the last week. And then to be visiting the Pool Pirates, it's not necessarily the place you would choose to go at this stage of the season for the Brummies. Funnily enough, this was the uh, Elite League Grand Final back in uh, back in 2013. How, how time has changed, really, for... For both clubs, um, I mean, Paul. We, we've talked about Paul. We know we know the strength, um, but I think uh, they'll be pleased actually to see a Birmingham team with Adam Eris arriving at Wimborne Road. Because I'm sure that Adam will be desperate to have a good uh, good few races with the likes of uh, Danny King and Steve Worrell and Richard Lawson. So there'll be some interesting clashes there. Um, you would have to make Paul favourites quite clearly. Well, the other fixtures coming up this week then, uh, also on Wednesday night, it's the Oxford Cheaters versus the Red Car Bears in the Championship Knockout Cup first round, first leg. The return of that will be on Friday night back at the Echo Arena and that uh, second leg will be screened live on the British Speedway Network. Um, on Thursday night, we mentioned it, it's uh, some League Cup Southern action in the Premiership League Cup. It's a bit of a dead rubber. Ipswich Witches versus the Kingsland Stars. Kingsland already through to the final in that section. Um, elsewhere on Friday night then I mentioned Redcar and Oxford um, Scunthorpe Scorpions hosting the Plymouth Gladiators Scunthorpe are running a live stream of that we've uh, already touched on Edinburgh versus the Glasgow Tigers with Edinburgh uh, EMTV covering that with the, their live stream Saturday night it's the Leicester Lions versus the Redcar Bears starting at 7 the Berwick Bandits hosting the Newcastle Diamonds and of course it's the start of the Grand Prix series as well all eyes on Croatia for a new era in the Speedway Grand Prix as Discovery Networks take over running the tournament. And, um, well, there's going to be quite a few changes. I think over the years there's going to be more changes, but it's certainly going to be a different look and uh, an exciting uh, an exciting season ahead in the Speedway Grand Prix for, for all of us, but, um, but of course the Brits. Ty Wolfenden, uh, Robert Lambert and Dan Bewley. And obviously we know the circumstances that have led to Dan being called up, which obviously, you know worldwide political events and so on. He wouldn't have wanted it in that way, but now he's there. You make the best of it, absolutely, and you have a go. And I think the fact that he rode in the 
Speedway Euro Championship last year will stand him in good stead. Obviously, the Grand Prix is a further step up from that, but at least he's got the the idea of how these big meetings do operate. And it's going to be absolutely fascinating. You're absolutely you, you're right. Um, uh, Discovery are uh, changing things. They're trying to raise the bar. You'll see lots of new innovations. Um, and hopefully we'll see a good world title fight as well. I'm sure that Bartosz Marzik will start as um, a favourite. No doubt about that. Um, he did get outdone by Mikkel Mickelson on his home track in his opener. But he seems to have, have turned things around since then. Uh, Woofy had a crash last week. Um, thankfully got up and okay because it did look quite nasty at the time, because I'm sure he's desperate to get, get back involved. And yeah, you throw in the, the usual suspects, if you like, towards the top. Um, Going to be a very, very interesting year ahead. And, and it's good to see, obviously, with COVID restrictions easing, thankfully, we're back to a more normal sort of calendar. We've had these, these double headers, a lot of meetings in Poland in previous years, but now getting out and about to other places once again. Croatia's not been on the schedule for a number of years, uh, so Goracham will be a, a slight unknown for some of them. They've probably ridden it before, but maybe not for a while. Um, but yeah, lots of interest in this one. Probably the most eagerly awaited opener for, for many years, I would say. Yeah, all eyes on Croatia. It's going to be uh, interesting. And, uh, of course, you can see that on Eurosport 2. You can also get it on the Discovery Plus app as well. And uh, we we talked about that earlier, what the Discovery Plus app is is going to bring you. But basically, it's going to bring you it without commercials. And instead of having commercials, you're going to have some extra extra analysis and and extra information and and things like that. So that's definitely something to uh, consider if you are a Speedway fan. Um, Looking at the other fixtures, that uh, are coming up over the next week or so because of course, we're moving into May and uh, on Sunday Kent Royals host the Mildenhall Fen Tigers in the NDL Knockout Cup semi-final second leg Newcastle Diamonds host the return of Berwick Bandits who are back at Bruff Park it's uh, 4 o'clock start for that and the Glasgow Tigers hosting the return of the uh, Edinburgh Monarchs as well in the second part of that Scottish derby starting at 6 o'clock at Ashfield on Sunday evening Bangkok Holiday Monday, we've got lunchtime Speedway at Bellevue, National Speedway Stadium, Bellevue Aces versus the Peterborough Panthers. And then the first televised live match, as we were talking about earlier, 7.30, the start time for the build-up. All the previews, looking ahead to the season on Eurosport 2 and Discovery+. Plus. And then it's the action between the Wolverhampton Wolves and the Kingsland Stars from Monmore, the first televised match of the season. And uh, Plymouth Gladiators hosting the Pool Pirates in a South Coast derby on Tuesday, May 3rd in the championship starting at 7. And that will complete your next week of racing. We'll be back with you next Wednesday morning uh, to review all of that and look ahead to what else is coming up over the next week or so as well in British Speedway. Wherever you're heading, get down to your local track, support your local Speedway, have a great time and keep up to date with everything happening in British Speedway on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and uh, online as well at britishspeedway.co.uk. Don't forget, the Speedway Star will be out Thursday morning and uh, it's a special tribute edition to Nigel Pearson this week in the Speedway Star. So don't forget to get your copy of that and uh, and, and read all about him. And thanks to, to everyone once again who listened to our tribute to Nigel Pearson last week on No Breaks, No Fear. Have a good week. Enjoy your racing, whether you're there in person, watching it on the TV. And we'll join you next Wednesday to review it all. No breaks, no fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.